There are those who believe that Charles Dickens' classic, A Christmas Carol, drew its inspiration from the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, the parable we have in our gospel today. And, you know, the connection, if you're familiar with the story of A Christmas Carol, if you've read it or seen it on TV or something, you know that in the beginning, the ghost of Jacob Marley visits Ebenezer Scrooge, his former business partner. Marley, since he's died, is, he's been punished by having to carry these heavy chains around because of his greed. And so he comes to warn Scrooge that if he doesn't change, if he doesn't repent, he will have much heavier chains to carry into eternity. Now, why, what connection does that have with our parable? Well, if you remember at the end of the parable, what does the rich man ask Abraham? At the very least, please send Lazarus to my brothers so they don't wind up in this place of torment. And Abraham says, no, they have Moses and the prophets. If they're not going to listen to Moses and the prophets, they're not going to listen to Lazarus. You know, so some people have seen Dickinson's novel as a creative imagining of what might have been or could have been if Abraham had said yes to this request. You know, regardless whether or not Dickens drew his inspiration from this parable, he never said. But there is, there is a general similarity, right? You know, these uh, ghosts, the ghosts of Jacob Marley, the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future, their purpose is to shake Scrooge out of his complacency, to disturb him, to bother him, so that he changes, so that he repents. Likewise, Jesus gives us this parable, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, for the same purpose, to shake us out of our complacency. And the parable does this by bringing one very uncomfortable truth to our attention and reminding us of one very important obligation. Let's start with the uncomfortable truth that the parable brings to our attention. It's an uncomfortable truth that's on display with the final destination of the rich man. It's the truth that hell exists. This is probably the most uncomfortable truth of all. But we need to have the proper perspective about this. Hell is not something we need to be obsessed about. It's not something that we need to be so terrified about that we're paralyzed from it. Hell is a reminder that we have the ultimate final responsibility in regards to our life. That one day we will be asked to give an account for our actions or our inactions. That we have this ultimate responsibility. Now, whenever we talk about hell, somebody always raises the question, if God is all good, if he's all merciful, why does he even allow this place to exist? And the short answer is that he's given us freedom to choose, to choose to love God, to choose to love neighbor, but also the freedom to say no. And he'll respect that freedom, even if we're going to take it to the extreme of choosing to isolate ourselves from God and neighbor for all eternity. That's what we see with the rich man. My guess is this was not a one-time thing that he ignored Lazarus. Day by day, he chose to ignore another human being who was 
seriously hurting, who it could have been, would have been very easy to help. Day by day, he chose to harden his heart. He chose coldness over charity. He chose isolation over community. In short, he chose hell, so to speak. It's a reminder, this hell, that we have responsibility over our lives, but that we still have time to change. God is good. He is merciful. Now is the time to change. He loves us. He wants us in heaven. And he'll give us every help to bring us to our true home. But still, this is the uncomfortable truth brought to the surface, meant to shake us out of our complacency, meant to wake us up, to tell us to change while we still have time. What's the obligation? Well, that's a little more obvious. The obligation is all of us have a duty to care for the poor. We are our brother's keeper, right? We can't say, look, I've got my own things to deal with. This is not my problem. You deal with it yourself. We are our brother's keeper. You know, the church, I think, actually has a really rich understanding of what this looks like. A few years ago, uh, we had the Year of Mercy. One of the big emphases was uh, the, the works of mercy. So the corporal works of mercy, to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit the imprisoned, several more, and then the spiritual works of mercy. You know, this idea that, that poverty isn't simply material destitution. It's, it's a fuller perspective of it, that we're both body and soul, and that we can be impoverished in both those areas. Yeah, I know I've used this quote before from Mother Teresa, but it, it's, it's good. It's so good it deserves to be repeated. She once said to a reporter, the spiritual poverty of the Western world is much greater than the physical poverty of our people. You in the West have millions of people who suffer such terrible loneliness and emptiness. They feel unloved and unwanted. These people are not hungry in the physical sense, but they are in another way. They know they need something more than money, yet they don't know what it is. What they are missing, really, is a living relationship with God. You know, there are people in our community that suffer from material poverty, people that we have a duty to try to help. There are people in our society, though, who also suffer from this spiritual poverty Mother Teresa described. You know, speaking in our larger society, the signs of it are all around us. I'll give one pretty stark example. I was reading recently that there's been a frightening uptick in what's called, what are called deaths of despair. These are deaths due to alcohol or drugs uh, or suicide. And there are complicated issues behind these things, right? Uh, mental health, addiction, there's no simple, easy solution to them. But the problems of addiction and mental health, they're only exacerbated by this spiritual poverty, by the sense of hopelessness and loneliness, by this, this sense of pointlessness to life. And so part of our duty to help the poor means to reach out to those who are struggling spiritually, who maybe are struggling with mental health or addiction, struggling with this despair, this idea that life is hopeless, right? We need to be a friend to those who are going through hard times, difficult times. 
And part of this being a friend involves talking about the hope and strength which comes from the living relationship with God Mother Teresa talked about. We are created for this deep and intimate communion with God. This is what is our purpose in life. This is what, in the end, will ultimately fulfill us in that infinite and eternal way that whether we admit it or not, we all deeply desire. St. Augustine put it perfectly when he said, You have created us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. So here's, here's what I'm getting at. Our obligation to help the poor it goes beyond simply providing for the material necessities. That's part of it. That, I don't want to say like we don't need to do that. No, that is part of it. We need to provide food for the hungry, shelter for the homeless, on and on. But man does not live on bread alone, but by every word which comes forth from the mouth of God. It's not enough for us to simply keep the faith ourselves. We need to be willing to share it. We need to care for the poor in both body and and soul. Ultimately, this parable, like, like Jacob Marley's ghost, his visit to Scrooge is meant to shake us out of our complacency by confronting us with the terrifying and uncomfortable truth that one day we will be held accountable for our actions or our inactions. And by reminding us of our responsibility to be our brother's keeper, to love our neighbor, and to care for the poor in body and soul. But if this uncomfortable truth and this important obligation seems daunting, then we need to remember that we're not asked to do this alone. God is with us every step of the way. Today, as we celebrate this Eucharist, we receive the strength, the hope of knowing that it's God who's begun this good work in us. It's he who will bring it to completion as long as we persevere, as long as we don't give up. It's he who gives us the strength to truly love our neighbor as ourselves and to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul. So as we continue with Mass today, let's pray that we are shaken out of our complacency to tr truly try to love our neighbor, to care for the poor, and to zealously labor for the kingdom of God.